Okay, I'm glad you're here. Today is actually uh, Reb uh, Shlomo Karlbach's yard site, and um, just say uh, a Torah of his over um, in his name, which is he says, what's what's the difference between uh, uh, a good friend and a best friend? So he says, a, a, a good friend is when you're with them, you, you want to be a better person. They make you want to be a better person. And a best friend is when you're with them, you're already a better person. So uh, we should all be best friends to each other. And I think, uh, you know, learning all these Torahs just makes us into good, better, and best friends. And, and so, so with that in mind, uh, I think... A very, a very, very practical, relevant topic today, which is, you know, just this concept of, I, I, I saw someone had a play by this name, which was called Too Jewish, right? So I think a lot of us sort of like wonder, like, at what point am I too Jewish? <laughs> and, and that's something that, that we all wrestle with on, 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 some, on, on some level, or... Or the inverse of that is, to what extent am I not being true to my own soul enough? Which is kind of like a kind of like a partner topic to it. So, kind of finding that sweet spot is 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 challenging. And so, the the, the Torahs that we're going to be learning this week are sort of all kind of revolving around that theme. And and we'll begin with um, Lot. Lot is. Is uh, was Abraham's nephew, and and on some level, seemingly at one point, a chapter in history, Lot's uh, would be the the heir to Abraham, meaning to say that he would be sort of running this you know amazing enterprise that that Abraham put into action, um, and and Lot seems to have like a lot of fantastic qualities about him. But at the same time, he's viewed more as a tragic figure because somehow he quite doesn't quite get it together. And, and there's a parting between him and Avraham, and Lot goes to Sodom, which is to this day, or in, 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 in English we say Sodom, as in Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and, and actually becomes the judge of Sodom on the day that Sodom is destroyed. So he sort of like reaches the pinnacle of his, sort of like his, his prominence in Sodom on the day that it's absolutely wiped out and marked for destruction. So, so there you seem to... And yet Lot is saved. And Lot gives birth um, through a very sort of like, you know, strange set of circumstances uh, with his daughters to the tribe of uh, Moab and Moab of course produces this great amazing shining Tzedekis Rus whose great grandson is King David so within Lot you have like the, the messianic line amazing amazing kind of uh, just an amazing an amazing story it's all mixed up. It's so complicated. And all of us are so complicated. So that's, that's probably a good place to start now. So here's the thing. Is Lot is 
is visited by the same angels. This is so crazy. The same angels as Avraham Avinu is visited by. Right? Remember, Avraham has just had his bris at um, 99. He's 99 years old. Avraham has given himself the bris. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. And he, it's the third day afterwards, and Rashi says that that's the day that you're, the person is, you know, in the most pain from this surgical procedure. And yet, and then God comes to visit Avraham, and from this we learn the mitzvah of, of visiting the sick from, from the fact that God himself visited Avraham. And then, amazingly, Avraham interrupts God while God is speaking to run after these guests in order to give them hospitality. So everyone wants to know, how can, how can rather Avraham be interrupting God? And I heard a, an incredibly deep Torah, which is that don't, don't think for a moment that he was interrupting God. He was continuing the conversation with God by applying chesed, kindness, in a practical way. It's not like he said, God, you wait over here. I got stuff to take care of. No, 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 no. He was carrying this notion of godliness into his actions by giving hospitality. So you know that Abraham had a tent which was open on all four sides. And he is the sort of the greatest exemplar of hospitality ever, ever. Because why open on all four sides? This is, again, you know, if a person wants to be a great host, it's more than just sort of putting food in front of someone. There's, there's so many nuances of, of being like a host. And, and listen to this nuance, that everyone from whatever direction they enter, they should feel as though they're walking through the front door. Isn't that a beautiful idea, right? And that's, that was Avraham's tent. Also, if you think about it, that's the chuppah as well. Right? Because a chuppah is also opened on all four sides. Um, so, so these angels come and one of them tells uh, Avraham that they're going to have a child in, the, in, in, in a year from now. Okay? And we'll get back to that. We'll get, we're going to get back to that. So that, 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 that angel who tells Avraham like, after an angel does his mission, then the angel kind of is, is done. And then another one of the angels blesses Abraham that he should be healed. So I guess that angel is done, right? But there was another angel who was along who is off to destroy Sodom. So now this, these same angels that Abraham had given hospitality to now travel to Sodom, whichever ones were left over from this mission to Adam, to Abraham, rather. And, and now, Lot gives hospitality to, to these angels. So, the, the reason why I'm emphasizing this so much is that, is that, first of all, giving hospitality was like a, like a capital offense in Sodom. Like, Sodom was like, whatever you have, that's what you have. Whatever the other person has, that's what they have. Don't try to put your thing on their thing, even if you're trying to help them, even if you want to give them, like, tzedakah or something like that. It's absolutely forbidden. Everyone is their own thing, and that's what it is, and no one's crossing over into anyone else's category. So hospitality would be a prime offense. You're bringing someone who needs something into your home. 
Lot, and again, I'm emphasizing this so that you should see the good aspect of Lot. Lot puts his life on the line in order to bring in these guests. And again, if you want to say, well, wait a second, Lot, how did Lot go so wrong? Lot was a student of Avraham. You see that Lot is actually giving hospitality to the exact same guests and also at a, a, you know, in an extraordinary way. Just like Avraham had interrupted God, so to speak, in order to give hospitality, Lot is, so to speak, putting his life on his line for the same guests. So, so again, it's, it's not so simple to say that Lot didn't properly internalize all the lessons that he learned from Abraham. You, you can't say that. That's, it's just, it's not right, you know? A lot of times in order to make something sort of like understandable and digestible, we like to make things black and white. But the, the truth is, is that everything, especially when it comes to human nature, everything is just way more complicated than that. You know, I once came up with a theory which is that when it comes to human behavior, if you can narrow it down to two causes, it's already both of them. <laughs> it's just a question of what percentage, right? You know? Why do you think he did this? Because of that or that? Both. But just how much of each? That's all. Okay. So, so these angels now are, are under siege, so to speak, because the, the townspeople get word that that, that Lod has offered hospitality and they're ready to basically just like they, they're demanding their presence and they're basically going to kill them they think they're people and then Lod says something and now you flip to the total extreme of Lod at this moment Lod says don't harm my guests they found shelter under my roof here take my daughters instead they've never been with a man so it's bizarre it's, it's bizarre because this person who we've just taken precious time to show his, that there was righteousness within him then says something which is inexplicable. That how can one person who prizes this level of morality or, or kindness is capable of doing this other thing? Okay, again, the complicatedness of people or the, or the confusion of people, right? So... So... The angels sort of like kick into gear at this point and they, 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 they put this uh, blindness on all the people. Now the people are scrambling about. They can't get hold of load. They can't grab these people, these angels who they think are people. They certainly can't grab the daughters. So, you know, and, and, and now it's coming time for like the bottom line. This is now the time when, 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 when it's ready to destroy Sodom, right? It's getting ready for this. So, so the angel says to Lot, let's, let's go. Right? Take your family and let's go. And it says the, his sons-in-laws were just kind of like mocked him. Like, what do you mean the, the, what do you mean the city is going to be destroyed? Like, you know, you're crazy. What's kind of interesting is compare that to Noach's sons-in-laws, right? Or daughters-in-laws, right? Or whatever it was. I guess his daughters-in-law. And they were totally on board. They, they, they left right away. They got into the ark. So it's just an interesting, and, and listen, they, they were hearing something even more extreme. The whole world is about to fall apart. Right? Which would give you grounds to question that even more, as opposed to the city is going to fall apart. But anyway, so, so they stay behind. And now we get to this 
sort of like this moment that that I've been kind of building up to, which is which is the moment of the shell shellis. <coughs> so so there's um, you know the as 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 we like to say, the, the Torah is the infinite compressed into the finite. And the, the Torah is functioning on so many different levels. You know, just the simple words, you've got the mathematical level, right? That's all the gematria. But there's also the musical level as well, because they're notes, they're musical notes above the words. So there's a whole musical component. In fact, the Torah itself is called a song. So it would make sense that it should be sung. And there are musical notes over the words. Well, there's one musical note that's especially interesting because it only occurs four times in the Torah. And it's called the Shelshelis, and it's like a big zigzag going, rising upward. And you'll pardon my voice, this is approximately what it sounds like. It goes, ah, right? So it's kind of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And when you hear it, if you're paying attention during a Torah reading, when you hear it, you know it, because it doesn't sound like anything else in the whole Torah. And it's always coming at a moment of a big test for the person. So, so the angel says to Lot, the city is about to be destroyed. Leave now. And the, the English translation is over this word where the shell shellis is, still he lingered. Interesting. Still he lingered. Right? And And that's if you want to see it, it's um it's uh, chapter nineteen, verse sixteen. Vyismama. That's that's the Hebrew word for it. So so I, I heard from Rabbi Eli Storch that that basically this was a kind of a bit of an identity crisis for Lot. What was the identity crisis? He's being told he has to leave right now. The question is, how much of me is really part of Sodom? Is, is that the real me? In which case, if that's the real me, it's very hard to leave. How much of me is maybe the, the nephew of Avraham? Right? Who am I? And listen, listen to how the verse continues. Still he lingered. Right? That's this crisis moment. So the men, meaning the angels, grasped him by his hand and they just pulled him away. What, what does that language tell you? He never finished deciding. He never finished deciding. So, this is, I I think this is all of us. I think so many of us have this, this challenge where we never quite finish deciding who we are. Which is, I think, a very, very, scary kind of thing because if you don't know if you decide who you are then you can make some real concrete decisions to advance your identity 
If you never quite figure out who you are, then in terms of self-realization, well, you're going to realize something. You're going to realize this sort of like confused version of yourself, right? Like Lot, like Lot's legacy, which is a very confused legacy. So, so I just want to mention something about um, Sodom. I was looking at the word Sodom. We're going to continue to talk about identity in a moment, but I just wanted to share this with you. Uh, and, and I noticed something very interesting about Sodom. And, and what I'm about to tell you is, is something that you can... It's just a methodology that you... It, it's so great Torah that Torah lends itself to this because you can see an entire story, an entire historical event with its dynamics in the word itself. And it's always cool to sort of unpack it, right? So let's do this with Sodom. So Sodom is spelled Samech Dalid Final Men. Samech Dalid Final Men, okay? So I was kind of just contemplating that word, and I noticed that the first and last letter are Samech Mem. Now, for those of you who, who know, Samech Mem is an accepted abbreviation for, um, for evil. In fact, they, a lot of people don't like, it's, the, it's, the, it's a shorthand for the angel of what that we call the Satan. And so since some people don't like to say the name of this angel, they, they give a shorthand version of it, and they just refer to him as the Samach Men. Now, there's a, there's a Medrash, we'll get to the Dalad in a moment, which is in between the Samach Men. There's a Medrash that says that... Uh, that they were looking for David Amelech. Where's where is David Amelech? And they say they found him in in Sodom. Now that's that's sort of like this challenging idea because this whole story of Sodom is many, 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 many centuries before David Amelech is born. So what do they mean that they found David Amelech, meaning this this concept of Mashiach, in Sodom? And it's, it's, it's a reference to what we were talking about just a little bit earlier, that the roots of Mashiach, the roots of David and Melech, were in Sodom, because Lot again gives birth to Moab, which then becomes Rus, which then becomes King David, right? So Sodom, so, so David and Melech, the Medrash says, is found in Sodom. So again, it's Samach Dalid Mem. You have the Samach Mem, which is evil, and then you have the Dalid in between, which is David Amelech. And what happens when Lot leaves? Lot, of course, is the stand-in for David Amelech. When you take out the Dalid, it just becomes the Samach Mem. It just becomes pure evil, and then it becomes destroyed. So there you see, like, the entire story of Sodom in the word itself. By the way, I just want to expand on that for a moment, because... The idea that the Samech Mem, that's the end of that thought, but here's like a PS to it. The, the, the Samech Mem, while it stands for evil, shorthand for evil, at the same time though, you see the letters Samech and Mem, those two letters singled out in Gomorrah Megillah when they're talking about one of the miracles that were by the tablets, what we call the Luchos, the tablets that Moshe received at Mount Sinai. See, there were many miracles by the tablets. One of them is that every single letter was written straight through, right? And yet, even though it was written straight through, it read 
the same proper way front and back. In other words, if it's written straight through, if you read it on one side, it should read correctly, and if you turn it over, it should read backwards. And yet, it read the proper way on both sides, even though it was written straight through. Okay? So, that's deep. I haven't quite figured out what that means yet, but one day we'll discuss... We'll discuss what, what, that, what, what the rabbis are trying to teach us through this or what God meant by this miracle. But anyway, let's talk about another miracle, which is that if you think of the letter Samech and you think of the final Mem, they're both... They're, one is a circle, the Samech is a circle, which means that there's a hole in the middle. If it was written straight through, that hole in the middle should fall down. And the final Mem is like a square, but it also has like a little smaller square in the middle. And that should fall out also. And yet neither of them fell out, which made the letters distinguishable. And it says that they, they were miraculously suspended. They, they, they asked this question, the Gomorrah asked this question, and then they point out this miracle and they say it was, it was a miracle. So I would like to just say, now, isn't it interesting, they don't talk about the Samech Mem and the connection to evil in the Gomorrah. But isn't that interesting that these two letters had a miracle by them and together they spell the shorthand, the accepted abbreviation for evil. Isn't that interesting? So what I would like to say on that is that evil is temporary and that it only continues to exist by derech nes because Hashem miraculously suspends it and allows it to continue till the time when it's going to be destroyed. And you can look it up. It says in, 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 in Gemara Sukkah that when Mashiach comes, the Yetzirah is going to be shechted. Meaning to say that evil is going to be eliminated from the world. So we see that its presence in the world is just kind of miraculously suspended like those little, those little holes within the letters. Okay. So now, let's get back to Lot. Lot, Lot runs away, but Lot runs away never having realized, like, like committed to, to who he is. You see, now, I think that this is so much talking to us today, especially all of us who aren't living in Israel, which is, I mean, all of us here right now. Why aren't we in Israel? Why, why, aren't, we, why aren't we in Israel? Right? Why are, we, why are we clinging? Why are we clinging to these outside countries when, when, when Hashem has told us, I mean, it's a, it's a debate whether it's a mitzvah, right? According to the Rambam, it's, it's a good thing if you do it, but it's not a chiv, you're not obligated to move to Israel. So according to the Rambam, no one's doing anything wrong right now. According to the Ramban, it's 100% a mitzvah to be living in Israel right now. So, so, what are we doing here? I, I've been sort of like on the sidelines. There's kind of like a, a, running, a running debate between uh, two people, the rabbi and one of the congregants at a place that I sometimes daven. And sometimes one of them says, uh, you know, makes reference to American Jews. And the rabbi gets very upset and he, he says, no, 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 I'm a Jewish American. And they argue back and forth, and the other one says, "What you? It's, 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 it's a grammatical nicety that you're getting all worked up about." And the other one says, "No, no, no! It's not a grammatical nicety. 
It's, it's, it's what is my core identity? Is it American or is it Jewish? Am I an, an American who happens to be Jewish or am I a Jew who just finds myself in America? So again, all of us getting to the core of our identity I think is very important in terms of what direction we go in in life and what type of decisions that we make. I think, how is it possible that, that load right? I mean, it's very possible, but just put yourself in his shoes at this moment. How is it possible that he's hesitating at this moment? You know, and God forbid, I'm, I'm not judging anyone because, you know, I, I probably would have failed the same test. But I know that anyone who studies the whole Holocaust situation, you know, the years leading up to the actual start of World War II and the gas chambers and things like this, there were so many anti-Jewish laws being implemented over a series of years. You know, like Jews were basically systematically, over a period of years, stripped of their rights. So again, God forbid, a, a zillion trillion times, I'm not, I'm not casting any judgments whatsoever. Again, I may have been likely, I mean statistically, one of the people who stayed there. I don't know. But something was tying those people to the, to the land of Germany. Something, some very strong force was tying them to the land, as opposed to saying, this place is no longer good for Jews. What am I doing here? I'm a Jew. Let me get out. But, you know, identity and materiality and bonds and property and business and pleasure and all sorts of things ties a person. Ties a person. Ties a person. There's an expression which I like and hate. I like it because it's very depictive and accurate, but I hate it because it's because it exists at all, is golden handcuffs. You know, there's such a thing as golden handcuffs where people are tied to, say, a job that they hate or tied to various situations that ultimately aren't consistent with the deepest aspects of themselves because it's gold, you know? It's hard, it's, it's hard, it's hard to give up. And again, this is something that, uh, you know, everyone, in, including myself, a, a thousand percent, have to just reach their own peace with. Because, you know, you can't say, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? This is so personal. This is, a person has to work this out for themselves. So, so then what's the, what's the alternative? Let's, let's say, let's just go further with this conversation. Let's say, hey, you know something? You know what? I'll tell you what my core, my, my, my core identity is. I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew. And that's what I'm committing to. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. So, so let's say you, 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 you follow that path. But then I promise you, at a certain point, you're going to go, am I being too Jewish? <laughs> right? Is that just, like, how, like, I'm pretty much doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, at a certain point, like, is that, like, too much? By the way, there's a, a great thing that I once heard, which is that, I heard this by Jews, it might be by everyone, I don't know, but, but what's the definition of a fanatic? 
someone who's doing one more mitzvah than you. Right? And what, what's the definition of it? Like a, a heretic? Someone who's doing one less mitzvah than you. <laughs> so, you know, whatever it is. So, so anyway, so now listen to this. This is also in, in Parsha's Fayer. It says, or maybe it's the previous Parsha. So, so it says that um, after God commands Abraham, we're going to continue to talk about identity now, but in, in, in the form of Abraham now. When God commands Abraham to get his uh, bris, right, at 99, as we discussed, it says that Abraham consulted with Mamre. Mamre, I don't know who Mamre was, but Mamre must have been like a very amazing person if Abraham Avinu is going to him for advice, especially advice after Hashem has commanded Abraham to do such a thing. Like, you would... Everything we know about Abraham tells us that he's not discussing it with anyone. He's just doing it, right? Like we said last week that I, I learned, I don't have the source, but that I learned that Abraham already started going to Israel before Hashem finished saying the words Lech Lecha. An amazing idea, right? He was already going. Like how long does it take to say Lech Lecha? Like he was like, or, he heard Lech, I guess, and he was like moving his feet. So, so what could Abraham have been debating in his mind to ask Mamre, should I get this bris or not? So I've seen different answers, but this is from the Chidush and I thought very fascinating, and again, it's all relating to us and our own journeys and our own struggle, okay? So, you see, Abraham had a problem. His problem was that he was doing a fantastic job. Fantastic. Fantastic. People were coming into his tent. He was feeding them. He was teaching them about Hashem. He was really getting the word out. Like, it was great. And he thought, if I have a circumcision, and a circumcision, you know, wasn't really done at that time at all. And so, from the point of view of the society of the day, Let's use a more dramatic phrase, because that's maybe more consistent of how it would have been perceived at that time. Self-mutilation, okay? Let's just kind of be strong about it. If I do this act of self-mutilation, are people still going to feel comfortable coming into my tent? Like, maybe I'm going to become this totally unrelatable personality. Or maybe they'll, like, who knows? Maybe they'll be afraid to come into my tent. Like, if he does that to himself, what's he going to do to me? Like, and, and then I'm going to not be able to do the very thing which has made me such a, you know, beacon of light unto the world. Or, let's bring it back to our original phraseology, am I going to be too Jewish? <laughs> It's going to be too Jewish, right? And again, I'm talking about all of us. Am I going to become unrelatable? And so listen to what the Chidush says, something amazing. He says that Mamre said back to him, you know what? You, everybody already knows you're different. So you'll be a little bit more different. <laughs> Bless you. 
which is, I think, such a, an amazing insight because we tend to, you know, as we sort of go along at, at the things we're comfortable with, you know, and again, I think just the greatest example is, is, is shaking a lulav in Esrit, right? Like, we're shaking a, a lemon that we paid $80 for, and we're like, no, I'm normal, man. I am, no, this is cool. This is, it's circus. What do you, what, what, what am I supposed to be doing, you know? So, right? Meanwhile, the world, the, the, the world has sort of like mentally allowed for the fact that we are in fact different, and then, you know, they, they don't, not only don't they expect us not to do otherwise, but they're sort of disappointed if we don't do otherwise. In other words, it's often a, 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 a sign where they respect you more because they see that you are being true to yourself, which means that you have more integrity, which means I can trust you more. So, so, but that's a very scary process. It's a, it's a very, very scary process to allow yourself to become a little bit different. And I think if we want to be fully honest, there, there, there will be people who go, hey, you know, I, I can't relate to that guy and, and, and I don't want to be that person's friend or, or whatever it is. I think those, those situations happen as well. I mean, again, and, and I'll just tell you the words of my father, uh, Oliver Shalom. Um, he was a psychologist for practice for 50 years. He said uh, one of his kind of like catchphrases that he would use in therapy and, and, and bringing us up was, um, you can't lose what you never had. And so if, if there's a friend who's willing to stop you stop being friends with you because you want to be truer to your own soul I would question how much of a friend that was to begin with so you can't lose what you never had he may have never been really a friend to begin with now that of course implies that as you go on your journey you're not being obnoxious <laughs> which unfortunately also happens, where people then, you know, just decide that they are the, 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 the final authority on everything. And, and, and that's, you know, I know when, um, just as an aside, it, it, when I started keeping Shabbos and things like this, and my, I was out in California, and um, my, my parents were in New York, and, you know, they were sort of hearing me talk about you know, going to, this rabbi's house on a Friday night, and that rabbi, and you know, they became sort of like concerned, like what's what's happening to David, right? And and then and then I learned that one of the mitzvahs is that if you if you're taking this path seriously, well, you have to be a better son. <laughs> you have to honor your parents, and so I became a better son. And when they saw that I was becoming a better son and that I was really honoring and respecting them more, then they were like, okay, this is a good path. We, we're, we're, we're good with this. We're, we're good with this. You know? You know, one of the most painful things that, that I've heard, I don't really hear it hardly ever, but, but, but it, I have heard it, and it's, it's very, very painful, um, which is that they say that Oh, you know, it's a cult. 
like 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 Torah Judaism. First of all, Torah Judaism has been around for thousands of years. It's transformed world society. Like it doesn't fit any definition of a cult at all. But here's the point that I would say is that I've studied cults a little bit and um, one of the things that they do is they really try to separate you from your family and they try to separate you from your friends and they also try to separate you from your money you know and and if you look at Torah it's like Torah is like no you have to be a better friend and you have to you have to be a better brother or sister you have to be a better son or daughter. You have to be closer to your family, not not more distant. So to me, like any conversation that goes beyond that, it's just like I I just don't understand what your point is. You you may not like this path, but don't defame it or, or slander it by, by by using that ugly word because it's just it it's not true, it's not relevant. Um you know, I, I'll just just to just make the point just a little bit stronger, Scientology. If you if you know anything about Scientology, um, uh, if if someone is dis, is 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 marked as I, f- I forgot what their um, what their code is. They have a term for this, but if someone is is sort of like decided to be a black sheep within the movement. Your own family members are not allowed to talk to you anymore, and your 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 sisters, your brothers, your your mother and your father are not allowed to talk to you anymore. Or if it's your mother, or your father, you're not allowed to talk to your mother or father anymore. And that's you can look that up. That's that's their doctrine. They're very they're very open about that. That that's the definition of a cult. So, so let's go further. So, so Abraham hears the point. He gets the bris. And of course he continues to be this amazing, amazing, amazing beacon of light. And people don't stop coming to him. So, so we're talking about the the, the, the journey of self-discovery of what is my identity and we started with Lot which is on the most basic level do I leave, am I a denizen of Sodom or am I like a child of Abraham basically and then once a person decides we've got the, the case that we just did of Abraham which is how much do I commit to that because it starts to get into scary territory because I don't want to make a distance between me and other people, right? But now I want to go deeper, right? And I want to discuss the case of Sarah. Um, Because Sarah hears the blessing that she's going to have a child in a year. And remember, she's 90 years old. This is complete, total miracle. And she laughs and she's given a hard time for laughing but if you look just a few like few like paragraphs beforehand Abraham gets the same news at 99 that he's going to have a child 
And it says right in the Torah itself that Abraham left. So why does Sarah get a hard time and Abraham doesn't get a, given a hard time? So the answer that's given is that when Abraham heard, he was like just exultant, just giddy with excitement, and he just laughed at like the the miraculousness of it. He was completely on board. He was like, you know, couldn't believe it. Remember, just in terms of, um, I'm a, I, I write comedy, so so just in terms of the mechanics of a joke, right? The basic mechanics of a joke are um, there's a reversal, okay? In other words, you think one thing is going to happen and then another thing happens. That, that's how all jokes, if you want to just x-ray a joke down to its essence, and then you laugh at the disparity because you were expecting something and then this other thing appeared. That's how every joke basically works, okay? Um, in fact, we have, uh, if you want to get into comedy writing jargon, we have something called a mislead. A mislead is something that you write in to purposely redirect a person's thoughts in, in the wrong direction so that you'll set up the punchline which is going to be something opposite than what they think. So you consciously direct them in another area, okay? So what's interesting is that here Abraham is 99, Sarah is 90, and what's the name? Who's expecting a child? No one's expecting a child, and what's the name of the child? Laughter. That's the result (laughs) of a sudden turnaround. Right? Do you see? So it just, the, the name itself is so fantastic because it completely, it completely syncs with, with, with the surprise element of what laughter is. Right? What's, but, and, and you want to hear something interesting? It says that Mashiach can come, meaning to say the, the culmination of the evolution of the world, the fixing of the world, this next ear of mankind that, that's been built in to creation since the very start, which is going to blossom forth, it can come keheref ayin, keheref ayin, however you say it, in the blink of an eye, it says. In the blink of an eye, right? This sudden reversal. And then it says in Tehillim, and we, we say it all the time, then our mouths will be filled with laughter, right? Because what is laughter? Laughter is the reaction to a sudden reversal. Okay? And Yitzchak represents this sudden reversal. So his name is Laughter. Okay. So Sarah, it says Sarah laughed, and Sarah says, gets very defensive. Again, we're back to the conversation about identity. Okay? Sarah laughs, and she gets called out on it. And she says, no, I didn't laugh. And then God says, no, 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 you did laugh. And that's appropriately the end of that discussion, right? Because who knows better than God? And by the way, that's why we, that's one of the things that we love about the Torah so much, is that the Torah is like taking this ultimate x-ray of events and telling you, no, exactly where the people were at, where they were exactly at that moment. And here's the point, because... the article brings a, a commentary from the, the Kutzka Rebbe that Sarah, why did Sarah deny it? Because she herself was not aware that on a deeper level there was a part of her that, that did question it. 
And I think now we're getting into the, the real depths of this discussion right now. Because, you see, you have the active conscious debate that's low. Should I go? Should I stay? Right? Then you've got the, the debate of Abraham, which is that, hey, I know who I am. I do, I, it's not a question who I am. I know who I am. But is this too far? Right? And then you've got the instance of Sarah, which is that you think you know yourself, but deep down you, you're not aware of the mechanics that are going down beneath the surface on the unconscious level. And someone can even call you out on it. Hey, why do you do this? I don't do that. Because we ourselves don't even have insight into our own mechanics. And that's, that, that's, that's already the deepest level, where we think that we're having an informed, intelligent conversation, and we go, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. But we're not in touch. We're not in touch with the depths of what's going on inside of us. And that's, that's why we get a lot of years. <laughs> you know, my mom left this world at 70. I think she was 70. And she seemed so young. Seemed so young. Rip Shlomo left the world at, was it 69? 69, so young. Now people live to 80, 90, uh, 100 even is, is now considered not a big deal anymore in certain places if you hit 100. And I think one of the answers is, is that it's, it takes a long time to figure these things out. And not only that, but seemingly God is giving us longer to figure these things out because maybe it's becoming harder. Who knows? Maybe it's becoming harder. Or maybe he wants to make sure that we get it right. It's I would say that, that, that we should all start, you know, with, um, with just a question of whether we actually believe in God or not. You know what I mean? You know, there are probably a lot of people who are very religious who don't believe in God. I would guess. Um, you know, I'll tell you something. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking to talk about it, but, you know... We should know these things. When Napoleon and Russia went to war with each other, um, Napoleon was offering a new vision of the Jewish society, among his other campaigns. He certainly wasn't fighting his conquest for the world over this issue, but one of the things that he wanted to bring was civil rights to Jews, which was a very radical, like, reappropriation of, of, of the Jewish population and society. And you know that almost all the Hasidic rebbies, like especially in Russia, opposed Napoleon? And they said, even though life will be better than it is under the Tsar, 
at least we're in our relative oppression under the czar, at least we're remaining Torah observant Jews. You know, when I first read that, from the perspective of someone who didn't grow up a Torah observant, you know, in in America, I thought, you mean these rebbies who love us more than anything? The, you know, the Hasidic masters were like, you know, love machines. You know, like they cho- chose life under the Czar as opposed to life under Napoleon. And you know, the crazy thing is, is that is that all the people who basically went into the Western European mode under the Napoleonic mode, where the barriers between Jews and the rest of society were torn down, for the most part assimilated. The Rebbe's were right. The Rebbe's were absolutely right. My, my father used to tell me about this... Um, I, I hope this is right. I'm just throwing it out because it's my memory of the place. Kai Feng, something like that was, a, was a, a center in China in like the 1800s or something like this. Maybe it was a little earlier. Big thriving Jewish population. You ready for this? With no anti-Semitism and they completely assimilated. So God is now sort of like kind of like stepped up. See, there. See, basically, look, all of our lives in world history itself, I, I, I'd like to compare it just to give you a visual to a kaleidoscope, okay? What's a kaleidoscope? You look through it like a telescope, but at the back of it, instead of like seeing a far object near, at the end of it are all these like colorful little pieces. And you turn it and it makes a beautiful design. And you turn it again and all the little pieces collapse and they reform and they make a brand new design. And they keep on making new designs. You turn it, you turn it, new design, new design. This is our lives, this is world history. Basically, God is changing around us over the course of a day. Now we're here. Then we'll be at Ralph's at the supermarket, right? Then we'll be at home. This is like the turning of the kaleidoscope, you understand? Like, how are you behaving under these circumstances? How are you behaving under these circumstances? How are you behaving when I turn the kaleidoscope and it goes from the oppression of the czarist regimes to the liberty of Ellis Island in America, right? What kind of person and what kind of society are you being under those circumstances? In other words, what is your core identity? Are you being a Jew because you, that's all you can be because the rest of the society doesn't accept you? And so... Of course you're keeping the mitzvahs because I have no alternative. This is the only group that accepts me and I can't be ostracized from the one group that accepts me. Or now that I have many opportunities and who needs those people who are putting on tefillin? I can be very happy with all these people and never meet another person who puts on tefillin for the rest of my life, right? Under those circumstances, am I putting on tefillin? Am I keeping Shabbos, right? So now Hashem is taking us from this place very dramatically. It's a very dramatic shift if you want to just kind of like remove yourself from the last several decades where literally we were hunted by rats in the streets of Germany, in the streets of Europe, hunted like rats, like cockroaches. 
And then all of a sudden, like, you know, in the timeline of history, in the snap of a finger, we're all of a sudden, oh, you want this government post? You want to be chief executive officer of this multi-billion, con- you know, company? You want, to, you want to be a member of this country club? You want to be up on the board of this world-class museum? How are you going to behave under those circumstances? And what's harder? I'd be a fool. I'd be a fool to weigh in on that. I'd be a fool to weigh in on that. But you know, we do believe in reincarnation. And I imagine that we've been under those circumstances probably before where our life was on the line to just keep a mitzvah. And now, here we find ourselves in this environment where no one's going to say boo to you if you never do another thing. So are we going to do it under those circumstances? The stakes are no less great. Just the wrapping paper is so different. And in a way, this I will say, for someone to commit to wanting to do more when they have when no one's fighting them at all, right? Takes a greater knowledge of what their core identity is. That much I will say. I think you have to have a, 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 a an increased sense of exactly who you are, because it's really got to come from you at that moment. It's not going to come from society, and it's probably not going to come from your family anymore. It's just going to come from you. Right? Which gets us back to Lot. <laughs> right? Which is, what's that great phrase? Still he lingered. Still he lingered. Right? And then what happens? The angel grabs him and pulls him which says what? He never reached a conclusion. He never reached a conclusion. I don't know if we can afford not to reach a conclusion. And again, if you do reach a conclusion and you decide to commit more to your essence, that has to make you a kinder, better person. If it's not making you a kinder, better, more loving person, then something is off. Something's wrong. You're doing something wrong. You're learning with the wrong people. Something is off. It doesn't mean be less passionate. It doesn't mean be less committed. But if it's making a distance between you and other people, something is off. Now for some questions and answers. Yeah, you know, Reb Shlomo said that the whole world is waiting for Jews to be Jews. You know? But 
it's not so simple. <laughs> you know, if it were so simple, Mashiach would have come a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years ago. It's not so simple. You know, it, it says, I'm, I'm forgetting their names right now, but two of the, our great sages were walking, and it says that the sun was just beginning, it was just beginning to become dawn. And I don't know if you've ever seen this in your life, but it was one ray of light, and then another ray of light it's coming over the hill or the horizon, whatever it is. And one of them says to the other, this is how Mashiach is going to come. One ray of light at a time. And that's us. We're, we're the rays of light. Right? And when we do something good, that, those are the rays of light. And it's this cumulative process. It's one ray of light at a time. Um, I, I experienced a lot of what you're talking about. I was, after going to Bar Mitzvah, I think maybe close to 50 years, I was at an issue. I have four children. I'm married to an evangelical Christian. Um, and one day, God, God entered my, just had a little opening in and he filled it. And I became more and more Jewish. And my children look at me like I, they laugh at me. But they, I mean, they're kind to me. They're not. Uh, my wife is proud of me in this in this context. Yeah. Uh, and I've noticed that the more I come back, and I'm 70, you know, I've got, and I'm conscious of having not enough time, and I want to go to yeshiva in Israel, and I'm going to get there. I just hope I have. One way that I, I hope I do it in this lifetime, but it is you, you get at a certain point people look at you, and what happened to Mark? Who is this guy um, who's going around singing Shlomo Kovach songs all the time? Don't shut up! <laughs> or I come back and I hear your talk and I tell everybody you know where I'm staying about this or that. Or, it's amazing how, but I'm comfortable. I mean, yeah. I am comfortable. Yeah. But I am looked at with, you know, it's real strange. I mean, I haven't started swinging chickens over my head. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, that might be the too Jewish. That's it. That might be it. We've got you off-rotching in the leg.